everyone. You're listening to an episode of Do We Like Murder, a segment of the Long Overdue podcast. We're coming at you from Decatur Public Library in Decatur, Texas. And you got me, Denise, and Dawn. Hello. And Brandon. And today we are continuing our basketball murdery crime talk. So I said howdy and my mic was off, but howdy. (laughs) (laughs) We are still doing our March Madness. We are, and I veered a little bit this time. Me too. Oh, good. Okay. (laughs) I was like, I, you know, the, the basketball crime database only had so much and we pretty much talked about that last time. So... I'm like, I need to find some other sporty, murdery crime stuff. Yeah. So so I, I deviated in who got murdered. So instead of an NBA player oh. doing the murdering, I'm talking about an NBA player that got murdered. Ooh. Okay, well, mine's a surfer. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> he might have washed basketball. Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't in the data. <laughs> So I think you should go first, since it's still Basketball March Madness stuff, (laughs) and then I will go after you. Okay. So I am talking about a case that actually just recently, like two days ago, got resolved. Oh. So Lawrenson Wright was known as Wren to his friends and family. Uh, was born on November 4th, 1975 in Oxford, Mississippi. He played basketball in high school and became a star. Uh, He married his high school sweetheart, had seven children, and went on to play in the NBA for the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, At 34, he was shot and killed in a grassy field in southeast Shelby County. Um, When he... When Ren started to make millions in the NBA, he opened up a restaurant, uh, committed to local charities, and started running a summer camp for kids where Mm -hmm. thousands of kids would attend, Mm -hmm. all in his hometown of Memphis. Nice. Wow. Yeah. He, uh, so yeah, he married his high school sweetheart, Shara, Shira, Shara, Hmm. I think it was Shara. Let's see. Was it? Is it S H E R A? It's S H E R R A. So I think it's Shara. Um, they were together since he was in high school, and were married for thirteen years. She was twenty-two, and he was seventeen. Ooh, at the time. Okay. His mother, Deborah Marion, says on Dateline, on TV, she says. She was a lady and he was a kid. He had little girlfriends, but they weren't doing what Shara was doing. Uh Uh-oh. So in July 18th of 2010, Ren and Shara divorced. Um, They said they had seven children, but they had lost their 11-month-old daughter to SIDS in 2003. What's SIDS? Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. Okay. Just get some, um, get some awareness for an acronym real quick. Thank you. So, <laughs> um, so they had six remaining children. Um, when they divorced in July of 2010, 
his child support and alimony was $26,000 a month. No way. In the divorce agreement. Um, and in the divorce agreement, he had to get a $1 million life insurance policy that was for his children if something were to happen to him. But it would be administered by Shara because she was granted custody. Oh, here we go. See, just red flag right from the beginning. Well, that was court ordered. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to get this. It was in his divorce agreement, which means she probably brought it up Mm -hmm. and he agreed to it. Yes. Either way, it's there. Mm Mm-hmm. Gets people thinking. (laughs) Yes, it does. Um, Especially since Shara had a little spending problem. Oh. Yeah, she liked to spend money. She liked to... Have money, spend money. And $26,000 a, a month, month was n- not enough. Not enough. Mm-mm, not for that, the kind of lifestyle she thought she deserved to live. Well, and that should have been for the children. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they divorced. Um, July, let's see, July 19th, 2010 at 12.13 a.m., Lawrence was shot multiple times and was killed. He had made a 911 call that was received by Germantown, which is a suburb of Memphis, but the police there didn't investigate the call. They didn't? Mm-mm. The call consisted of gunshots and ran shouting, oh, expletive, and then more gunshots. The Memphis PD didn't know about it until eight days later when they were looking into Ren's cell phone records. Okay. So what transpired, and you may be getting to this, what transpired to make the Memphis police interested in this? He was declared missing. His mom, after a week of like him not showing up, mm-hmm. called the police and reported him missing. So they started to look into what happened. They started looking into his records and so on. So he was shot... July 19th at 12.13, and then on July 22nd of 2010, Deborah Marion reported him missing. And that's when they started looking into his cell phone records and so on. So how long, I wasn't paying attention to the date, from when the divorce was final? It was still 2010, I know that. Yes, I don't know when the divorce was final. The July 18th was the last time that he had was seen. And he was seen at Shara's house. Okay. She was the one saying that she saw him. Got it. Okay. But that was it. No one knew where he was or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Deborah reported him missing. So that was July 22nd of 2010. July 27th, Shara tells police that Ren was involved in illegal drugs and was in business with drug dealers. So the police investigated Mm-hmm. And the drug dealers and informants said, nope. <laughs> <laughs> like they talked to the local drug dealers like, uh-uh. And no, he wasn't. <laughs> We're not going to claim him. He was clean. <laughs> I mean, I think if there was anything, mm-hmm. they would have said. Yeah. Especially if the cops are talking to you. <laughs> like, you don't want any of that. <laughs> no. And if he, yeah, exactly. You don't want to have a reason. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For the police to keep talking to you if you're a drug dealer. (laughs) (laughs) 
So July 28th is when Ren's body was found. It was found when the police found out about the 911 call. So when they looked into his records, cell phone records, and they saw that he had made a 911 call that was in Germantown, they knew what area to start looking for him. And that's where they found him. Okay. So November 4th of 2010 would have been Ren's 35th birthday. The family did a graveside service and a candlelight vigil. And they would do this every year to bring, you know, kind of awareness to his case. And they would do that every year until someone got arrested. Mm -hmm. November 10th, the medical examiner's autopsy report shows that Ren was shot up to 11 times, including twice to the head and two to the chest. And at this point, the reward for information had grown up to $21,000. Wow. So throughout the years, Shara would become an ordained minister and run a nonprofit called Born to Proper Ministries that would help local children. Uh, the police had no direct evidence that she was involved, but Ren's family and friends were like, she's the only one. Mm-hmm. Um, so she got the $1 million from his life insurance policy and began to spend the money that was supposed to be for his six children. In September, September 15th of 2014, Herb Wright, Lawrence's father, who had sued Shara to take control of the money for the children, agreed to a confidential settlement. So what that, what came of it, who knows, because okay. it's confidential. But the records show that she had bought cars, spent money on vacations, on houses in Eads, Tennessee, and Greer's Ferry, Arkansas. And she had already spent most of the $1 million, about $950,000. Dang. Uh, so if Herb got control of it, the six children have about $50,000. January 1st of 2015, Shara publishes a book. Oh, no. It's called Mr. Tell Me Anything that she said was fiction, but the main characters were based heavily on her and Ren. Uh, There was cheating and domestic violence in the book that she claimed was real. There was a scene in which the wife comes home and finds her husband in bed with another woman. Uh, As far as investigators could tell... They both cheated. He was in the NBA, super famous, and he cheated. Mm -hmm. So did she. And from what they could find out, he found her at their home with another man. That's so funny. I was just thinking that. That he knew. Um, So he knew this dude. They don't, I don't know who it was. They didn't say. Um, And apparently Ren pulled a gun on the man. Mm. And threatened him, and he hit Shara. Uh, the police came. She refused to press charges, and they didn't pursue the matter because they didn't have enough evidence. If he wasn't saying anything, like the guy that was threatened with a gun, mm-hmm. and if she wasn't saying anything, then what are they going to do? Yeah. Let's see. So now we jump to 2017. So November 10th, 2017. Memphis police say they found the gun that shot and killed Ren. They found this out because Jimmy Martin, Shara's cousin, confessed to his involvement. Ooh. Martin, who is currently serving time for murder of his girlfriend that he murdered in 2008, uh, was the prosecution's unindicted co-conspirator. 
So in exchange for helping investigators, he was granted immunity from charges related to his role in covering up Bren's death. Okay, so hold on. So he was, he killed his girlfriend in 2008, but this happened in 2010. So how did he, was he not charged at not that time? Yet. So oh, he was know. caught up in this other murder and wanted to give information in hopes of cutting a deal. So he killed his girlfriend in 2008. Nothing came of it until 2017 either. Huh. And so then he's like... Okay, but I have information. Got it. Um, from I have no idea if they actually cut off any time for him or what the plea deal was. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say that he's serving life. Okay. <laughs> Just that he's currently serving time. Um, so Jimmy says that he wasn't involved with the murder but he was involved with the cleanup of the murder Uh um the police had found more than one type of shell shell casing so they were like there was two different guns Mm -hmm. used um and i believe that was further uh made clear with the body um and jimmy says that he wasn't there for the murder, but Shira and a man named Billy Ray, which I'll tell you a little bit more about Billy Ray here in a little bit, um, were the ones that killed him. So he says that Billy Ray was actually shooting two guns at Ren in that they chased him. And they chased him using the glow of his cell phone because he was trying to call 911. So in the 911 call, you hear the shots. You hear him mm-hmm. say, oh, bleep, mm-hmm. and then some more shots. And then that was that was the 911 call. Jimmy says that he was involved when Shira asked his mom for her metal detector because she has a metal detector. And he went out there with him to, you know, find the gun uh-huh. and then dispose of it in a small lake. So he says that he was involved in the cleanup. Sounds suspicious, mm-hmm. but, you know, he's also not going to admit to... Yeah, that other guy? Yeah, he was shooting two, two guns. guns. Okay. While he was running. <laughs> like, And he was a very good shot. <laughs> well, I mean, he's he running, guns. the other guy's running. Oh, yeah, he had two guns. That's <laughs> he's got two guns. Devil's his chance. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds really like Jimmy's not going to say I totally helped murder this guy mm-hmm. because he's already looking at some time for murdering his girlfriend. More than likely, he was there and he was helping Billy Ray. So Billy Ray was the lawn man. He was the guy taking care of the lawn when Ren was alive. <laughs> Uh, Ren always thought that his wife Shira was sleeping with the lawn man and it turns out that he they totally were um, <laughs> they hadn't so he was there to you know mow the lawn but also he was a deacon at the church that Shira became an ordained minister at so they oh. went to church together okay as well <laughs> um so, you know, Jimmy comes out with all this information, which is how they find the gun. Mm-hmm. So he tells them this is the lake that we dumped it in. They send divers down there. They find the gun. They test it. All points to Jimmy's at least telling the truth about that. Okay. 
So in December 4th of 2017, Billy Ray was arrested on murder charges. And on December 8th, 2017, Shira was arrested in Riverside, California. Uh, she had moved there with her, with her children to live with her brother after her other divorce. Oh, she had remarried. Um, she was married for two years. And then that husband left her the day after her birthday <laughs> because she was spending way too much money and he was pretty sure she was having an affair. <laughs> so Shira did not change. <laughs> January 26th of 2018, Shira makes her first court appearance in Memphis. The criminal court judge, Lee Coffey, explains the first-degree murder, conspiracy to commit first-degree murder, and attempted first-degree murder charges to her. May 5th of 2018, the prosecutors lay out the case against Turner and Shira. During a bond hearing, they named a third unindicted you know, suspect in the case, which was Jimmy. Um, Turner's bond was set at $15 million. May 31st of 2018, Shira's bond was set at $20 million. Wow. November 30th of 2018, the trial date was set. Uh, September 16th of 2019 for Shira Wright and Turner on murder charges. July 25th of 2019, Shira Wright pleads guilty to facilitating murder. She just decides to, to plead guilty. Uh, she was sentenced to 35 years, but is eligible for parole in nine years. So that would be 2028. She'd be eligible for parole. So why? This is what I don't understand. Why 35 years? I guess every state has a different law on convicting murderers. I mean, why well, do some get life and some don't? Well, she she pled guilty, so she made a deal. But, sorry. Yeah. I'm like, I don't get Why it. would they choose 35? Well, it is, uh, the phrase is 25 to life. So I assume, like, there's a minimum. And I think every state does have it, and it depends on... Which degree of murder? I just feel like she was, she blatantly went out and did this with the person she's having an affair with and somebody related to her. Collects the insurance money or life insurance, whatever, and then she only gets 35 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, she... This was planned. Oh, This yeah. was first-degree murder. Mm -hmm. And just, I just don't understand why some people get life and some people don't. Mm -hmm. I don't know. If I could, if I could make, like, a million dollars in 35 years, would I do it? Wait, am I going to make a million dollars? Wait, how? <laughs> I need a calculator. I, yeah, I need, <laughs> I need to do my math real quick. Yeah. Mm. All right, good point. Is it worth it? Yeah. <laughs> But she stole from her children. Oh, yeah. Yeah, her children have nothing. So when she went to jail, was the uh, father-in-law able to sell all her stuff to give it to the children? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if she would have anything really at that point because she was living with her brother in California, mm. you know? Do you think there's any grounds uh, that they might be able to repo the stuff? Um, it all depends on whether or not any of that stuff was still around if she hadn't already sold it. 
Mm. For money, yeah. True. So, I'm sorry, children. Yeah. So, I say that this was recently resolved. So, Shira's off doing her thing in jail. And Billy Ray Turner's trial just keeps getting postponed. Probably for COVID reasons. But it just keeps getting postponed. Finally, a jury finds him. He finally goes on trial. And a jury finds Billy Ray Turner guilty for killing Lawrence Wright just a couple of days ago, March 21st. He was found guilty. They found him guilty on first degree murder. And let's see. They returned a unanimous guilty decision on all three counts of first degree murder, conspiracy to commit first degree murder, and attempted first degree murder after deliberating for less than three hours Mm. on Monday. Uh, Did he plead guilty? What was his? No, the jury found him guilty. He hasn't been sentenced because it was just two days ago. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) I want more information. (laughs) But um, if he gets more than 35, I think that this is just a raw deal. Mm -hmm. Because she's the one who wanted it done. Yep. Yep. Let's see. So, yeah, that's that's what happened. Um, they did say that how she lured Lawrenson back to Memphis because he was living in Atlanta at the time mm-hmm. was that she was sending him sexual texts. and wanted him to come visit. And a close friend of Lawrenson said that he pretty much had gotten tired of just meaningless girlfriends mm-hmm. and wanted to get back together with his wife. Hmm. And so when she started texting him, you know, like I miss you, come see me. And then, you know, getting a little more sexual, mm-hmm. he thought that maybe he'd actually be able to restart his family mm-hmm. with her. And then he got killed. That's so sad. People are so greedy. They just want what they want and think that they should have it, no matter what mm-hmm. has to be done. Yep. So that was Lawrence, Lawrence, Lawrenzen, right? NBA star for the Memphis Grizzlies. So it's also interesting that this happened in 2010 and just 2022. Mm-hmm. It's been resolved. 12 years. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's <clears throat> a long time. Even with COVID. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I hope she doesn't get out. Of course, she's only going to be probably in her 50s because she was probably in her 20s. Well, I don't know. Then time added on and yeah. Well, she might let's be see. She was 22 when they met. Now I'm going to do some math. <laughs> she was 22 when she met they were married for 13 years they divorced had another 12 years oh, she'd be 47 not even 50 not even 50 oh, she, after her 9 years or if she gets uh, 
Let's see, that was, so she was 12 years, yeah. So that was from um, death to going to jail. So she'd, she'd be 47 when she took the plea. You're right. And then plus nine years. So yeah, she'd be 56. It, and that's when that's it parole um, that's if they give her parole yeah so which i mean if she if she lived like a really high strung lifestyle then i'm pretty sure she's going to try and behave so that she can get out mm-hmm. so and she took the plea which means that she's already admitted to something mm-hmm. when she admitted to facilitation so she admitted to asking someone to kill someone So now she just has to sit up there and cry and say that she's so sorry mm-hmm. and she misses her six children and so on. Hopefully, Deborah Marion is still alive and can sit up there and be like, don't let this woman out. Yeah. I'm sure she'd use so much more colorful language. How, how do you that. reform greed? Well, I mean, she's sitting in a very small space with nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so either she learns to live with nothing but or even, comes back greedier. <laughs> even <laughs> like, in, Yeah, right. Even in a situation like that, though, you can be greedy within prison. Yeah, almost definitely. You know, you can still get stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, there's not actual reform happening. I mean... Because, hmm. I mean... Uh, Reforming a thief, how do you do that? Mm. Someone who's someone who will perpetually steal something, like, mm-hmm. a, like a klepto or something. Yeah, you know why don't they just steal from themselves? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Interesting concept, isn't it? Hmm. Never thought about that. Okay, well, my story is about Murph the Surf. his name was jack roland murphy and this happened a long time ago 1967 so yeah it was it was quite a while ago and i'll get get around to why before both of my parents were born they were born in 69 both of them oh interesting yeah Anyway, just showing like, showing my age, everyone. Mine are, mine are older than that. <laughs> um, so Jack had a, a not very good childhood. Okay, um, his dad was very demanding, and uh, a witness made a comment that he had seen him get slapped by his father for not washing the dishes fast enough. Yeah. Yeah. Sound familiar? Mm. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry if it does. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So his first entrance into crime was he broke into his elementary school because he wanted ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) How old was he at this time? I don't know, but isn't that fantastic? I mean, elementary school. Yeah. You know, he was pretty young. Um, this was in Calif- uh, Carlsbad, California. Um, 
So anyway, his father demanded excellence while he was growing up. So he got mm-hmm. to be really good at um, sports and he was um, he was able to develop his memory really well. And uh, so he gets into uh, surfing and he does really well. He ends up going to college and gets, uh, he's a tennis player and does really well at that. And uh, then he ends up going down to Florida uh, and he was doing some surfing down there. But part of what he would do is between surfing, he would break into places. And he got really good at, like, telling what kind of jewels people were wearing mm. and if they were real or not. And so he, you know, if they were wearing it, mm-hmm. and then he would go with his friends and they would break into their, they would scale buildings up to their balconies to steal their jewelry. This sounds like Point Break, the prequel. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, right? right before they start robbing banks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, exactly. Actually, maybe that's what it was based on is this dude here. So he starts doing that kind of stealing with his friends. He, he actually wins awards and is in the surfing hall of fame the first time that they did it. Um, because he was doing so well, it was 63 and 64. I think it was, um, and let me see if I can see some of these pictures uh he was not bad looking here's a picture of him in his swimming suit coming out of the water oh Baywatch. okay what does he have does he have something in his hand no i think it's just the and for a second there literally had a beer in his hand oh and i'm like <laughs> surfing with the beer <laughs> like oh. i like this guy <laughs> um, i mean i'm not gonna lie it's Oh, I thought he had. I thought he did have a I beer. I thought he in his had hand. a beer in his hand. I was like, man. No. So I shrunk the picture so it, it was smaller on the page. So we might have to go back and look at <laughs> it's it. Like, was he holding a beer? I don't know. He looks a little angry in this picture. Like he's like hard staring someone on the shore. Maybe person the person taking a picture. Maybe of the him person holding a beer on his. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it sure does. <laughs> um. Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. You guys distracted me with the beer. Oh. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's what he was doing. He was, you know, stealing, surfing, stealing, surfing. Mm-hmm. That's how he made his living. Uh, and I don't exactly know what happened, but, you know, his brain, he was able to solve problems, which is how he was able to, to mm-hmm. figure out the jewelry thing and all that. And so him and somebody that was with him went to New York and they robbed the Natural History Museum. Oh. Ooh, moving up. Yeah. Well, it was really interesting because they cracked a case and there were $3 million in missing stones. Oh. Ah, right? Here's a picture of them. And it says one of them, (laughs) listen to this, one of them was a 563 carat star of India sapphire. That's huge. 
<laughs> that one. <laughs> 563 wow. carat. That's Aww. amazing. I was well, I was literally looking up um, large diamonds the other day. <laughs> so heads up, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> She will not listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> so, honestly, I don't remember if he got caught with this, which I'm thinking, how would you get rid of those huge Yeah, who's stones? your fence? Yeah. <laughs> You're Murph the Serp. Who's your fence? <laughs> exactly. So, um, okay. Uh, and so he was arrested, actually, when he had tried to break in, well, he was trying to rob a socialite in Miami. Um, I guess he'd scoped her out, realized she had the stones, mm-hmm. and he um, broke into her apartment or something. And I think her daughter was there. And they called the cops. They came. He jumps out the balcony window. Mm-hmm. He's got cuts all over his face. (laughs) (laughs) And then he says, what did he say? Um, So as he was being hauled away, Murphy turned to the men in uniform and vowed to finish what he'd started. Stay ready, he hissed. (laughs) What did he start? To steal from the socialite. He was basically saying, I'm coming back. Yeah, I'm going to get you for this. Um. Hmm. My, so my goofy Beach Boy cover was blown. Yes. <laughs> now they know he'll pull the trigger. Hmm. Hmm. So I believe it was 1970. He. was in a situation where he met these uh, two young ladies who were working for a firm, I believe in New York, and he talked them into stealing certificates. Um, And so they did, and they were on a boat trying to go somewhere to sell them or, you know, whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it was 1967 and actually it was only $500,000 worth of, worth of stocks and bonds uh, about $4 million in 2020 dollars but compared to the $3 million in mm-hmm. rocks from the Natural History Museum yeah. that wasn't very much <laughs> <laughs> was it worth it? <laughs> um, so they were on the boat And they were having conversations, and I guess one of the girls was upset because um, she wasn't getting a big enough cut, and she threatened to um, sell them out, and then things started happening, Uh and she, let's see... Their heads were battered with an oar. One of the bodies was pierced by a bullet and their stomachs eviscerated with the blade. 
so that their corpses wouldn't rise to the surface as they decomposed. So that happened to both of the girls. Mm -hmm. So I guess... One got upset, started saying she was going to go to the cops. Yes. He had a killer. Mm-hmm. Couldn't leave the other one because they were friends. Yep. So this one was the 21-year-old. The other lady, um, Terry Frank, she was 23. And it says part of her skull had been split open, her abdomen slit, a wire lashed around her neck, and tethered to a concrete block. So they tried to tie them both down mm-hmm. so that they obviously would decompose and couldn't be found. Fascinatingly enough, they rose and were found the same day. The same day. Hmm. That's fascinating to me. They probably were not tied down very well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Came undone. Just not very smart. Mm-mm. Anyway, the heat of passion that just on, happened. On everybody's part. Yes. Like, you're out there committing crimes with whomever, and you decide that you're unhappy with the situation, you should not be like, I'm going to the cops. Especially when you're on a boat, can't get away. Mm-hmm. You just, this is perfectly fine. Yes, I will take my 20% or whatever. And then once you're safely on ground, go walk away and go to the cops. Because she would have been telling on herself. She's the one who stole them. Mm-hmm. She would have gotten in more trouble. Well, I mean, we go back to making plea deals. I'm going to yes. give you a bunch of information of things that you don't even know happened that you want to know uh-huh. about. Uh, what are you going to do for me? So I'll tell you about them and also agree to testify in court about them. Yeah. Good she point. probably would have gotten a fine. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Some probation. Not fair. So he served 36 years on the murder charge. Um, because he was he was caught very quickly, like mm-hmm. within the first few months. Um, after they got um the ladies got killed. And So when he got out, he started to, you know, he was reformed and he, so he started actually a ministry going back into prisons and talking with Mm. um, convicted murderers. Um, So I thought that was really interesting. So here is a picture of him. I know you guys can't see this, but let me just tell you, I found this article on Sports Illustrated because they have a true crime section. Whoa. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of stuff in there I wanted to uh, to read. It looks like he's talking to Mark Hamill. He was also um, married several times, had a couple of children. But so anyway, I mean, he served his time. And he just, you know, he looks like a nice dude throughout some of these pictures. And, you know, we always go back to that. It's like, how do you know that the surfer coming off of the beach is some murderer, some thief, Mm -hmm. and all this stuff? It's just 
fascinating. Like, you don't. You and don't I think that's kind know. of the point. <laughs> that's the whole point of our of our podcast is <laughs> you don't. Yes. You don't know. All right. So Jack Roland Murphy died in September of 2020 and he was 83. So is he still in the Surfers Hall of Fame? You know, I never read that, whether or not they left him in there or not, because I know that they removed people from the football Hall Mm -hmm. of Fame uh, because of the their deeds. Yeah. Gone wrong. So, yeah, I'm not really sure. But I thought it was it was very interesting. Uh, surfer dude gone bad. <laughs> Life sounds like he was always kind of bad. He, he was right. Mm-hmm. Elementary school. Elementary school. I want some ice cream. Some I'm going to get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, he's still he's still uh, Jack Murph the Murph the Surf Murphy. Mm-hmm. He's still in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Which uh, I think it's literally East Coast Surfing Hall of Fame dot com. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good to know. So. So. Anyway, that's mm-hmm. my my madness story. Yeah. That is pretty crazy. So I I don't know. I'm just like. Those poor girls, first of all, mm-hmm. they were just going to, they were just going to steal, you know, make a little money on the side. Mm-hmm. They were trying to figure out if the girls were the, or the young ladies were the ones who, it was their idea to steal the certificates or securities, or if it was Murphy, his well, ringleading. Seeing how Murphy... W- was a thief and liked to break into places and steal things. Um, I'm going to guess that he probably met two young ladies. And he was handsome. Yeah. And decided to, you know, do some charming. Mm-hmm. And they fell for it. Yeah. And they thought, well, you know, what's the big deal? Yep. We'll steal from this probably, you know, big firm that has a lot of money that's not going to be missing so much. Hurting for the cash. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's getting hurt. Yeah. So. No big deal. We'll get yeah. some money. Go on our separate ways. Mm-hmm. Never works out the way you plan it. Mm-mm. Nothing ever does. So think about that. Why would a crime happen the way you plan it when nothing ever <laughs> goes the way you plan it? <laughs> Going on vacation, oh, I don't know, flat tire, uh, it's raining, mm-hmm. you know, something. All right. Yeah. Well, at least he seems to reform, mm-hmm. and he did come back and do some good with uh, the other prisoners. That's good, yeah. So, that's my story. And you're sticking to it. I am. <laughs> <laughs> So again, this was, I did a search for true crime sports, I think. 
and Sports Illustrated came up. But there's also a podcast, Crime and Sports, on Apple Podcasts. Yes, I love Crime and Sports. Oh, you listen to that? Yes. Oh, yeah. I Crime and Sports. Uh, James and Jimmy. Oh. They're very, they're very juvenile dudes. <laughs> it's one of those things that I listen to. To me, I'm like, you know, it's like when you want to watch a dumb Will Ferrell movie. Yes. <laughs> you know, for no reason other than fart jokes. And, <laughs> you know, you're just like, this is fine. Mm-hmm. That's when I listen to crime and sports. And I'm like, you know, I just need two idiots making me laugh. <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. All right. Got it. They also have a small town murder mm-hmm. where they do small town murders and then talk about that just as entertaining well yeah there's still two idiots to <laughs> talking about you know stuff yeah okay i might have to check that out yeah. just a very juvenile humor like this is not highbrow anything <laughs> okay good to know i feel like i have to like clarify that <laughs> because it is very juvenile oh humor. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm just like, but yeah. It's like so every now and then you want to hear something dumb mm-hmm. and funny. And yeah, they pull through on that. Okay. Well, I feel very sorry for the gentleman uh, who died, the basketball player. But he also did get to, to live part of his life where these girls did not. Mm-hmm. But, and it was also nice to know that you know he tried to do some good. Yeah, like you know, last time we were talking about all these guys that got drafted into the NBA and immediately went nuts and started committing crimes mm-hmm. once they got that money. And yeah, in the very beginning, I was I was actually enjoying the idea that this guy was actually using his money um, yeah. for better reasons. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. try to put back to his community and you know take care of his. Very big family. Yes. It's a lot of children. That's a lot of kids. Remember when we first started this and this podcast uh, years ago? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's been a long time. There was always a theme somehow. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. That we never talked about what we were talking about. Yeah. And then something connected. It was always like, oh, (laughs) it's kind of like this because this guy ended up doing good. He did good before. Yeah. He did good after. Yeah. So, I stretched it. There's a connection. It was a good stretch. (laughs) So, are we done? I think so. All right. Well, you were listening to Do We Like Murder? I'm at you from Decatur Public Library in Decatur, Texas. And we will catch you next time. Yep. Bye.